We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Hello and welcome to the Friday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doffer. I have with me today Patrick Young, the Florida legend, Wake Forest superstar, and uh, the the guy that's calling Pitt in Georgia Tech tomorrow, which is why he seems sitting there in the hotel room right now. Our, of course, it's Randolph Childress, RC. We're watching the end of the Michigan State and Illinois game. Uh, some of us may have bet on Michigan State tonight, so some of us have financially invested in uh, Sparty finding a way to pull this thing out and win this thing. We're also monitoring the D, uh, the the Dayton VCU final and the finish there, the A-10. That's a big game in the A-10 title race. And, of course, we're going to have to talk about Purdue and Nebraska and Zach Eady, a.k.a. Shaq Eady, uh, which is my nickname for him. And I'm going to hit you guys on uh, on a couple conversations about Marquette, and we're going to preview some of Saturday's biggest games. We've got a big show, loaded show, great show. But I, what I wanted to open it on, and the thing that I wanted to start with, was Villanova. Villanova went on the road tonight to Butler. They ended up losing 79 to 71. This comes on the heels of going to DePaul and losing that game by 10 and uh, coming off of a loss to Xavier at home by eight points. They've now lost five of their last six games. The only win that they have in that stretch came at Georgetown. They're two and five in the big East. They're eight and 10 overall. And for me, guys, I think you could have written that thing off. Uh, the Xavier loss, the Marquette loss, the, the the UConn loss is just playing three of the top four teams in the Big East, right? But now you're losing to the pole. Now you're losing to a Butler team that kind of looked like they were uh, ready to roll over before this started. So how worried are you guys about Villanova? How concerned are you about them? Because I I, I have my doubts. I'm going to let you guys say what you got to say first, RC. We'll go to you. Uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get really worried about not just this team, but kind of this program long term. I won't say long term. I mean, you're obviously worried about this team from Villanova standards. I mean, I, you thought when when Whitmore came back, it'll kind of play itself out. They get better. You know, you knew that was the reason they had won a couple of games when he came back. They had a good winning streak when he came back, and then no one knew when Justin Moore. You knew the new year was it February? Was it you know mid January when he was going to come back? If he was going to come back, 
But I, 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 I can see this year be tough, but I, I can't do that yet. It's only one year for him. I, I can't concede. It's his first year. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far. I, I just can say this year it'll be tough for him. I, you know, without, without Justin Moore, you know, I, I don't see them making much of a run. But I, I, I'll leave it at that. Going forward, I'm, it's a little early for me to jump off ship from Kyle. Well, I, I agree with you, RC. For of course, uh, when it comes to long term, it's, it's too hard to say. But the, you know, I you asked Rob the relevance, and I haven't thought about Villanova, so that goes to tell you a lot uh, when it comes to, comes to relevance. I, I had no idea who Seamus uh, Lucosius was tonight, and he looked <laughs> he looked like the man. I mean, I don't know if we're doing toast of tonight uh, of the night, but he he takes my pick, and you know, I'm just not a, a huge fan of undersized point guards that can't shoot. Um, it, you have to have an ability. Of course, you can take take care of the ball, but you know, Chris Chris uh, Artendiakno, you have to have an ability to put pressure on opposing teams with the threat of your shooting ability. Just zero points in thirty five minutes, or it, it's not going to ever be a formula. And that's why I look, you know, thinking about the SEC. That's why Kentucky is is struggling right now. With as much as I love a Xavier Wheeler undersized point guard that can't shoot is just really difficult uh, to win games and be and go to that, that Villanova standard that you're talking about RC. So I, I, I hear you guys with that. Right. And I think that this year we can kind of overlook it a little bit. Um, not having Justin Moore. Uh, I think we all kind of underrated the importance and the value of what Colin Gillespie was for this team last season. Right. Um, but the, all that aside, like not that, you got Kim Whitmore back, right? He's a top five pick. Well, he's probably a, a locked top 10 pick, potential top five pick, maybe the best NBA draft prospect in college basketball right now. Right. Daniel is a guy that's an all big East player, fifth year senior. Eric Dixon is one of the best big men in the conference. Going to be an all big East player, fourth year junior. He's, he's a fourth year player. Um, you have Brandon Slater. Who's a fifth year guy that understands his role. He's bought into like the Villanova mentality, all that leadership stuff, lefty, make shots, switchable defensively, really good piece, right? So you have four veterans that can do all the stuff that you want them to do defensively. You have guys that can kind of make shots. Um, so you have the pieces to be better than losing by 10 at DePaul and losing by eight at Butler. Um, so that's a little bit concerning to me. And then you throw in the fact that uh, that you're going to be losing three of those guys, Slater, Um Daniels and and Whitmore in the offseason. Who knows what's going to happen with Justin Moore and Eric Dixon? They're they're fourth year guys. They're going to graduate. They're 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 going to have done their four years there. So who knows what's going to happen with them? And you got one guy committed in the class of 2023, which is more or less done, uh, who is a three-star or a no-star guy. Um, and you don't like have that next wave of talent coming in. So where where is the improvement coming from? If you're losing the veterans that are the guys that are supposed to be like Villanova's guys right now, where the, where's that next wave? Are, are you relying on Mark Armstrong and Trey Patterson and Jordan Longino to kind of carry this, this program long-term? And that's assuming that even if you get Justin Moore and Eric Dixon back, like where's the support? I, I just, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, man, like the, there's real potential for the bottom to fall out of this thing. Is there, is there no know. chance? Go I'll go ahead, RC. No, no, go ahead. I'm listening. I'll, I'll let you guys I, I, go. Only one recruit uh, coming in next next year. Is that you're going to have to hit the transfer portal extremely hard? Portal, it's the portal. I mean, that's it's, not, it's that's not the, something that that Villanova has done. Like that, where? But that's that's Villanova under Jay Wright. 
Kyle may be more inclined to say, hey, I, I don't think he's going to have a choice. I mean, Jay kind of had guys sticking around. I think this is part of one of the reasons why Jay is like, man, I'm out of here. I don't feel like dealing with this. And I, I, I think that's, you know, more inclined. We don't know. If Justin comes back, he has two more years. I mean, he was their best two-way player. I mean, offensively and defensively, he's a bucket. So that's a lot. You're missing that guy. I mean, that's a big – that's a massive chunk. For a team that – they never really had a ton of depth anyway. They, they didn't play much more than seven or eight guys at max. I mean, you know, even with Jay, was, you know, was, was coaching them. So I, it's a little early to write them off with that. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it looks bleak. But I, all that tells me is he's, he's got to hit the portal. Man, if we go past this next year – because it's almost like saying the same thing with Louisville. We, we can look at it and be like, man, ain't a whole lot of recruits going there. We just got to hope that they're planning on hitting the portal. And that's the same with Kyle. I mean, he, this is I, – I, I, give, it, give it a couple of years. I think it's just too early. I, I, I understand your argument. I just think it's a little too early to jump off ship. Yeah, and I, I just want to make one last point. I, I'm rooting for him, right? Like, I Oh, yeah, want, I get it. I get it. I want Kyle to do well there for, for a bunch of different reasons, not the least of which he was an assistant coach that got a head job and he happens to be black. Like, I want guys in that spot to be able to succeed so the next guy in that spot – gets an opportunity. I wrote a big story on that in 2020. There's not that many opportunities for guys like Kyle Neptune. I want him to do well. I want guys like Kim English to do. I want guys like Dennis Gates to get to that level and do well. I'm rooting for him. But let, it's me, just- let, me ask, let me ask you this for real quick. I think since we foresee that the transfer portal is is uh, obviously necessary for Villanova, more likely to hit since you're not bringing uh, many recruits come next year. What what are you looking for in the transfer portal? When I mean, we don't know who's all going to enter, but what are the primary things you if you want to flip the script and become a team that's not bottom third but top third next year? What are those things you have to look to grab? Obviously shooting, but what else uh, no, do you I, foresee? I, I got a take on this. I think Kyle needs to figure out what he wants his program to be because Villanova under Jay Jay was one of the best teachers of basketball that you're ever going to find. I made this point on the show before. He teaches you how to be a player, which is why they don't really run anything under Jay. Like, they never did. They had, like, four play calls. It was just kind of like, all right, we're going to set a ball screen. Someone's going to get a paint touch. Uh, someone's going to draw a defender. You're going to create a closeout. Then it's gonna, just going to be like a tidal wave. Attack the closeout, kick out. Attack the closeout, kick out. Either hit an open three or find a way to get a layup. Like, it was just you played basketball, which is why you saw so many Villanova guys end up being really good role players in the NBA. He taught you the game. Kyle's never going to live up to that because it's like expecting John Shire to live up to exactly what Coach K is. When you are one of the best at what you do and the way that you do it, you can't expect the next guy to be at that level. So I think Kyle needs to find a way to like whatever the identity he wants for his program to be. I think he needs to figure that out and he needs to go get those kind of guys. Cause right now he's got Jay Wright kind of guys. And I don't know if the Jay Wright style is going to work. Is that, am, I, am I making sense with that? It, it does. But I would say this part of what you're saying though, one thing that made them unique was they were inverted. They would post their guards and they would space their bigs. And a lot of teams struggle with that. Like a lot of teams couldn't deal with that. And that's where Justin Moore, they miss Justin Moore so much. Yeah. And, and even if Jay was there this year, he would have to change because who would be that guard that he would post? He hey, would figure that, it out. I'm maybe not that's why he, he got out. Maybe that's why that, he got that, out. There you go. That, that's what I'm saying. He might have been like just Justin, Justin Moore out. Like, you know what? If I want to sit through this another year, man, deuces. I'm out of here. I'm going to the Fox Studios and, you know, maybe NBA gig. You know, let me get out of here while it's good. I mean, he made a Final Four run. I, I It would have been – it's the same thing like with Kane. You know, we talk about it with Shire. There's no Paulo Carroll there or whatever. So, how you know, they're great coaches. They're Hall of Fame. They're the best. 
they they handpicked these guys for a reason. So there's mm-hmm. something about them, I think. And, and and the one thing I will say though about this team is, even for Jay, this isn't a common team that they had. They're always had guards, no matter if it was Brunson. People took it for granted. Brunson posting dudes up in the NBA. So you punching, yeah. you rotate, you double, and then they spread their bigs out. And so that's the one piece I think they're missing. They're just missing that guy like Justin Moore. They can put on a block, give him the ball. He going to score. He going to back you down, bucket, 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 until you come double, and then kick it out. But they don't have it. And, I, you know, before I jump off, I'll, I'll wait and see what, you know, what he does in the portal. Because if I'm 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys, still Villanova. Yeah, I'm not. Look, I'm not saying it's time to jump off the the the. Column. I know you're saying you're saying bro. get him up out of there. I'm just saying, like, man, like the, I I hope the bottom doesn't fall out of this thing. All right, um, real quick, I just want to shout out Butler. Like the, they, Villanova lost because Bill and, uh, Butler went out and when won that basketball game. Your guy, okay. your guy, Lukosius was a stud. Like he was hitting everything. It's been a while since he started playing like that. Um, so it was nice to see them kind of get it going. Basketball's better when Hinkle Fieldhouse is like a destination spot to go see a basketball game. So I'll, I'll shout them out. All right. The Michigan State-Illinois um, game just ended. My heart was broken. I was trying to decide whether or not to wear my Spartan Dog t-shirt <laughs> or my Daddy Brad t-shirt. And I went with the Spartan Dogs one because I bet on them. And I thought it would be good. Luck. Nope. Nope. Uh, Illinois went on a 26-12 to 12 run as soon as I put this shirt on. So you know what? <laughs> That's my that's my bad Spartan fans. That's my bad Michigan State. I messed that one up. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys a very simple question: Is Illinois back? No, <laughs> that's a tough one, huh? No, no. They just beat the they just back beat the first place in the Big Ten. No, so that makes no. They're not back <laughs> off that one win. I ain't giving them that. That that no. It, it is good. You know, I, I did see a really cool stat there for, for Matt Matt Mayer. First eight games of the season, he was uh, five, five and a half points, 32% from the field, 24% from three. Last eight games, 14 and a half points, 48% from two, 42% from three. And obviously he, he went on a huge run there in the second half of this game to really break things open. I think he was the X factor. He had five block shots today as well. Something I uh, I don't think I've ever known him for for doing that. <laughs> if he can get going, obviously that's the expectation of him being a, a, a veteran leadership guy. That's why he transferred. You would think that it's too too, too early to say that he's back. They were at, they were at home. I need to see a good road win. I need that, that's that's always the test for me. I need to see a team that's trying to come back to their groove and find it. And you don't have to necessarily win on the road, but in my mind, but I need to see a, a competitive tight-knit game where you just, you just show up. You know, if he goes on the road next game and has two points, I'm going to be like, oh, man, nah, that ain't that ain't, that ain't it. So, hey, I, I won't say back yet. Crazy. They look, they look good uh, for the most part. But you're playing against a Michigan State team that was 0 for 7. And I, I, I'm sure you didn't account for that, Rob, that Michigan State would be 0 for 7 in a 40-minute collegiate Division One basketball game in the Big Ten. Well, no, in the Big Ten, I would expect it because they don't they don't understand modern basketball in the Big Ten. They're they're big into uh, these low post guys. You know what, Patrick? You would have been a great Big Ten basketball player back in the day. You would have thrived. In that. Oh man! <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I do think that I, I I don't want this to sound too harsh, so I'm going to try to kind of measure my words here. But I think that they are a better team without Sky Clark there. For a couple of reasons. One, I think you got a ball dominant point guard when without him, you can kind of let like 
Terrence Shannon be Terrence Shannon. And then all of a sudden Matthew Meyer becomes the second guy. And then you can run offense through, through Coleman Hawkins. But the bigger part to me is on the defensive end, RC. You got, you get rid of a guy that was getting, like he was getting exposed. He was not, he was not, he's not there for his defense. Um, And all of a sudden now when you're playing Sincere Harris or you're playing Jaden Epps um, or you want to go with a bigger line, like you can be more switchable and you can be more versatile on that end. And I think that makes you, um, that makes them more dangerous on that end. And it puts their best players in their best roles on the offensive end of the floor. So I like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of back in on Illinois. I think I'm there. I need to see more from them. I, I, I mean, tonight was almost, you know, like every now and then you get a point in the season in, in these early conference games, you got to, I mean, Michigan state's four and one, you're, you're sitting there, you're two and three. You, you got, I mean, you can't fall two four. You can't, you know, you, you had to win this game at home. And Michigan State's one of those teams, they're not going to come in and just blow you out. They're not going to run away from you, so you got a shot. So this was almost a must-win game for Illinois at home. And kudos to them, they won. But they've been so inconsistent, so up and down. You hear so many stories coming out of their locker room, guys not getting along, whatever it is. I need to see some more consistency from them before I say they're back to being the team we saw them to be at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Patrick, what do you what do you make of this Michigan State team? Because I think that they are – with Malik Hall back, when he was healthy, heading into tonight, they had won their last four games. They were 4-0 against the spread in those four games. And it kind of gave them the look of a team that was a, a more typical Tom Izzo kind of a team. Like, how how good are they? Are they actually a Big Ten contender? Well, I, for me, I haven't seen them enough to know if this is just a, an outlier of a game where, you know, three-point shooting is that bad. Uh but if you know, just my 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 microcosm of a a per view on them, they looked really good with toughness wise, um, getting to their spots. Uh, I mean, they dominated the glass. I looked I looked and saw that this is a, was a really tough team early on. Struggled a little bit with Terrence Shannon. He had like 15 points in the first eight minutes, 10 minutes of the game, and they were to make make those adjustments to, to shut him down. Really like what AJ Ho- uh, Hogard was doing. Um, the entirety of the game uh, without that shooting ability. And I hope, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. If, if this is how they've been shooting it all year, uh, I can, I will never say this is, this team is back. Uh, Cause you, you, you just, in this day and age with, with basketball and call, you, you cannot win. Again, you can, you know, uh, you, you can't win without being able to knock down the three. And I'm not saying you got to shoot, you know, 40%, but if you can, if you can knock down at least five a game, it's going to make a difference and help assist your physicality that they did bring today. Yeah, they're they're normally a better three point shooting team than this. I think part of it was the the scouting report from from Illinois, right? And I think part of it was AJ Hogard and, and Tyson Walker were kind of able to. You run a lot of ball screens, you go over those screens. Those guys really like being able to get into the lane and kind of finding their their floater and their their mid range pull up. All right, this would have been a lot better if I uh, if Michigan State had won because I did a bunch of research on Tom Izzo, but I. I I wanted to, I wanted to discuss them because I feel like we don't, we don't, kind of uh, respect enough what he's done at Michigan State. Um, he's made every single tournament since 1998. The only time he missed the tournament in his career was his first season in 1997. In that time, he was a double-digit seed just three times, and there's only been one time in his career where he was not a top 45 Ken Palm team, and that was the 
21 season, the, the COVID year. Um, UCLA had bad years under Alfred where they didn't make the tournament. Duke missed the tournament in 2021. Sean Miller missed four tournaments at Arizona. UConn was a mess for half a decade. Uh, Roy Williams missed the tournament in 2010 and would have missed it in 2020. Indiana is like they're Indiana. They're not what they were. Matt Painter was really bad for two years in the in the early 2010s. Uh, Tony Bennett was in the NIT last year. Jay Wright had those 2010 to 2012 seasons. Billy Donovan. Your boy, Patrick, was under 500 in 1997 and 1998. And they were bad. After I left, they were bad, too. Yeah, I think Izzo's the best. I love him. He want all the smoke. He ain't ducking nobody. He's like, bring him on. No matter who's on his roster, he's playing the best teams. Like, I love him. If I, Honestly, if I was coming out today, I would want to play for Tom Izzo. Yeah. You make I, I, I think he's the best. I, I love him. I, I absolutely love him. I mean, people, he's tough. He's all that. I think he's as good as there is. He loves hard. He coaches him harder. I, 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 I'm a huge fan. And so I, yeah. I don't have anything to say about him. This and, team will be there in the end. Yep. They, they went ugly. The only thing I, the one thing I will say I don't like about this team is I know they put a lot of responsibility on their guard, but Walker and whole guard, I would like to see them maybe combine for three turnovers and not have three each. Like that's the issue that they have for not having dynamic guard play. If they just, they get to that three to four to five turnover range sometimes, but I just wish they cut down on those turnovers. Other than that, they'll be right there because they're going to control pace of the game. But I'm a huge Izzo fan. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But our RC only only nine turnovers in the in the entirety of the game. You know, that's, no, no, no. That's, I get I I get it, but I, I'm just saying from your guard and not overall, right. but from your guard play. That's something that. But but when you when you all they're playing games like in the '60s and '70s. They're not a high. They're not an eighty point a game team unless somebody playing well out of their mind. Yeah, they're they're the, the best place. defensive team in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, the yeah. Fact, and they don't force turnovers, and they are yeah. bottom. They are bottom four yeah. offensively, and, and that's what I'm saying. So it's not that that's a bad number. I don't want it from the guard play. The guard, Let that number yeah. come from someone else. The guards, they're, they're too talented in what they do. Right. I'm fans of those. I'm a huge fans of them. I just saying you you don't need if you got nine turnovers, you don't need those six coming from your starting back. Yeah, is all I'm saying. That yeah. just need to be somewhere else. Yeah, and to your credit, Rob. State's only bad loss this year is Northwestern. And that might not even be a bad loss. Like, yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst one they got. Not not in a bad place at all. It's wild when you think about that. Um, I want to ask you guys this because it seems like it always 
ends up being a talking point. I think that, uh, how do you feel about the way that Tom Izzo communicates with his guys? Because this always ends up being a thing for people that don't watch the sport. He gets in his guys' faces and his guys go right back at him. And every year, I feel like once we kind of get into March and it becomes a national television kind of a thing, someone gets a video on their phone of Tom Izzo screaming at one of his players. People go nuts. I don't think they understand the the dynamic with those guys where they'll yell at each other. And then what you see, you saw him getting in AJ Hogarth's face. You saw AJ yelling back at him. And then they cut to him and they got their arms around each other and they're sitting there like, like where do you, you guys are both, both play for, for great coaches, right? Legendary coaches. Where do you stand on, on that? And, and how do you like, you, you would be better. You guys are better to speak on it than someone like me is. I'll go first on that. I had a similar relationship with Odom. I mean, it was, he would tell me that he would just say, look, I need to know how you feel and vice versa. So it was people would, people would view it disrespectful from the outside and any other way around. Sometimes they thought I was being disrespectful to him. And it was just the way we communicated. We, you know, when you're intense like that, you just don't turn that off. And so we wouldn't, we weren't as, we weren't as intense yelling each other way is always sometimes with each other, but I understand it. We would have our words and outside people was, and then we got better at it because I was like, all right, I don't want anybody. He didn't want people to portray me as being this type of a certain type of player. And he was like, look, let's just do it a little differently. But we had that same type of, in the heat of the game, it was like, man, like get Rob ass out here. He ain't making shots tonight. Put him on the bench. <laughs> you know, something like that. He just, he'd be like, yo, hey, go, somebody go get Rob. Sit his ass Rob. down. You know, so that's how it that, was. That happened so, a lot. That happened a lot in my meeting over the basketball career. Man. <laughs> that happened a lot. <laughs> no, uh, man, I can't imagine going back at Coach Donovan. Hey, first, first off, he was just Billy. Billy was just so clever. Uh, I feel like I, I couldn't articulate myself enough to get back at him. I just knew it's a, a battle I would always lose. But he was never a guy. He would he would always try to keep us in tight. So if he if he had to challenge somebody, it you know he wanted to make sure he, he didn't want to try to embarrass you, because uh, there was just a level of respect and that excellence that he he demanded. But at halftime in in the locker room, uh, I I can remember vividly he calling me out and getting after me. Uh, we were playing against Auburn at home my senior year, getting after me, and because I I was playing I was playing soft. I was playing like I I didn't want to be there and playing like I was hurt and then. You know, I ended up scoring 17 and 10 in the second half. So I responded and he said, hey, he's like, do I have to do this to you ever? I said, I, I don't know, but don't don't ever be, and he would never be, but never be afraid to challenge me because you need people like that that are going to push you to be uncomfortable because that's that's how you grow as men. And we got to remember this a lot of times, uh, you know, the fans that don't see that, these are these are boys growing into men, young men that that need to uh, be in that, in that controlled environment through the game of basketball where you can face and be challenged like that. I mean, life is going to hand you hard things, and you can't run from them. You got to go go into them head on. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about Michigan State that always happens: it seems like people on the outside complain, but the players never complain. That right. tells you all. I, I would I would worry if the players were complaining. You have never heard one player complaining. All the public blow up, and you've never heard one guy say anything, leaving the system. So, great point. I, I, I take it as I take it as he coaches them hard, but he loves them harder. And 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 they respond to it, and they know that, and that's why they take it, and they give it back to him, and he welcomes it. So it's not like it's one way. 
you have to have that relationship with oh your God, yes. to be able to yell yes. at them like that. And yes. I think we see it yes. with like even Frank Martin. I think Bob. Rob, you know, you know what? I mean, as is, you know why I say that too? Because it also speaks to you can the only way that works is, as a coach is if I'm giving you a player to say, I might say, Hey, you playing against Rob Dobb tonight. He's a hell of a defender. I don't think you can get all I, I think he's gonna try to limit you maybe to eight, 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 nine points. You go off for 20, you might be like, coach, you go to hell. I told you I'm going to bust Rob ass. And then you just, you'd be like, all right. So when you challenge them that way, they come back at you. You welcome them. Be like, yeah, I told you, coach, I'm going to kick his ass. And they're like, all right. They're like, you you know, and, it, and so I, that's just, it's just the relationship he has. And that's why it's a, a special place. And that's why I said I could play for him. I, I, I know I could play for him. I would want to play for him. Yeah, I, I think it's a stark contrast, too. We saw – the blowups that Brad Underwood uh, had on the sideline, right? And we heard all the rumblings about the issues that they had within that locker room and, and some of the, the problems that they had. He's Brad's been a lot more composed these last three games. Now winning certainly helps that, but I think that we're seeing maybe um, things have kind of been settled. Like Again, I don't want to blame everything on Sky Clark, but I just wonder if Sky Clark was maybe a weird fit for that roster, and I think we're kind of seeing um, things you know settle down a little bit there. So I, that's part of the reason why – I'm the only one that's back in on Illinois, even though I didn't bet on Illinois tonight. I bet it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got Michigan Spartan State shirt on. Yeah, I bet on the Spartan Dogs. <laughs> um, all right, we're transitioning here because I'm uh, I'm going to transition. Uh, Purdue, Zach Eady, they were awesome again. Shaq Eady had uh, 12 points and 13 rebounds. Um, I just we don't have to spend too long on it because I feel like we're kind of rehashing everything. But uh, how? when we see some of these other big 10 teams kind of struggling, beating up on each other and, and, and uh, we have Purdue here just kind of rolling along and cruising along. Is this, is this their league? Like, are they, are they locked into winning this conference? Cause I was really looking forward to that game on Monday. You had Purdue going to Michigan state at two 30 in the afternoon on MLK day. And it kind of was, uh, it was dulled a little bit because Michigan state lost this game. So it was not so much a battle for first place anymore. I was looking forward to that. Is it their league? Go ahead, RC. I think it is. I oh, know. I, I think it is. I, I I think that because they have the most dominant player. On most on most cases, when it, when Edie walks out, the floor is the most dominant guy. The freshman guards are playing well. They fearless, making shots. Um, they just know who they are. They got their identity and they're sticking to it. I mean, you watch it tonight. Even the guards get confidence. They get in the paint. The one thing you can't do with them, and it's funny when they drive to the rim. When you're guarding, it's it's bad enough. If you're guarding them, they doubled him tonight. He's picking apart double teams. But the hardest, the other thing is, is that you have to defend the other guy so well because if he drives and you're guarding Zach Eady and you wrote the big rotates over, no one else has a chance to keep him off the glass. All they got to do is just throw that. The rule is just zero. don't get it blocked. Just, just don't get it blocked. Throw it up on the glass and you got zero chance. He's going to get it, put it back. Like it's just easy offense. No, you're you're dead on. I I just remember as as a freshman, uh, Rob Lanier would always tell me, you know, don't go to that if you can't get that help side block, don't go because you're gonna give up the offensive rebound. And it's like sometimes you could go, sometimes you know you're gonna affect the shot, and you can trust that your guard is gonna go and switch and block it. There's zero chance, none. (laughs) My man is already above the rim. Like (laughs) I'm talking power forwards, small forwards, any guard. I mean the only. Most of the time, the dude is assigned to him is too small to block him out. But if he rotates over, man, forget about it. It's like you just foul. Yeah, 
Well, you know, I don't think you Fletcher lawyer needs to, to go for 27 and have a, a game like this for me to say, yes, this is Purdue's league. But the fact that a player like him, a young guy is finding his groove, man, Braden Smith looks good. But he, he does. He, he's so shifty. He, he really has a feel for the game that I don't know who, whoever coached him before he came to college. Or maybe that's all coach painters. He looks like a veteran guard that knows exactly what he can do and plays within that. Uh, but yeah, to, I think this is Purdue's league. I had to take a look back at the at the uh, the standings. I really can't see anybody unless you know a, a road game. Somebody super really hyped up uh, has an opportunity for it. Well, they'll to, lose to a couple. Them. I know exactly. they'll, they'll lose a couple. They'll lose a couple. But, but you know what stands out to me? They'll like, win more. They'll definitely be tennis. Yeah. So we we got into league play, right? And yeah. um, we're, we're, we're coming off the loss of Rutgers. Lost at home uh, when, when Purdue didn't play all that well. There were questions about, you know what, their guards, you kind of, you know, the Rutgers can really guard you. Like they, they will get out and pressure you. They will get out and guard you. Um, I don't think that Purdue's backcourt played all that well in that game. And they have responded. In the last three games, Braden Smith, uh, is averaging. I'm doing the math on the fly here in my head, so it might not be wrong. But he's got 41 points and he's got 17 assists. That's basically 14 points and four and a half assists again. That's what Braden Smith is averaging. Fletcher Lawyer had 27 tonight. Um, he is averaging over the course of the last three games uh, 18 points, and he he's shooting over 50 percent from three during that. Like their guards went from yeah, you know what, they were pretty good to like holy shit that that's looks like one of the best backcourts in the Big Ten. And if their guards are going to play like that, if they're going to average combined like 30-something points and six or eight assists, and they're going to shoot that well from three, like, I don't know how you stop them, man. If their guards play like that. But you got you to gotta pick your poison. So when you double them, they're just spacing the floor. They're either shooting threes, they're, they're spacing, they're knocking down threes, or they're driving closeouts. It's like – but who has the who has the size to say, hey, you guard Zach Eady one on one? Like who had no, nobody know, has right? no one, like if, what are you gonna do if their guards because that was the knock, right? Their guards right, like, yeah. not making shots. They were shooting like at one point they were shooting like 30% from three on the season. Now they're still not shooting great on the season, but if those guys are gonna make those like they just man, I don't know how you stop them. Well, I think I think the, the jump kind of team looks though. like it just it just comes too late. If you if there is a chance of slowing Edie down. Be there and literally right when he catches the ball. Hey, Pat, and strive you know to get it, it out like? of his hand quicker. You know what it looks like? You know how like you're playing with your kids or something? You just hold the ball up and they're just slapping it. They can't, you want to hold something from him? He looks <laughs> like he's playing with little kids, man. Like the double team's coming. Most guys are they try to bring it in here and they're like this. He just takes it and puts it up here with one hand. And he's like, all right, now you cut and just and the guys, it's, it's comical, man. It looks like he's playing with well, some you know, children. You know what's comical with that, too, RC? He'll get it on, like, the, the second or third hash and just turn and hook hook that joint in. What you, <laughs> what you going to do? He's shooting he it down. When he does that, he's throwing it down. He's not hooking. He's throwing it at, down for him. Rob, I wrote this today, too, when I watched him play. He actually gets, like, the, the Shaq treatment. And what I mean is guys are fouling the hell out of him off the ball it's supposed to be freedom of movement they're not letting them move they're just riding them out and riding them out wherever the play is if if they complained about it he'd get more fouls like he is getting fouled 
without without the ball. I mean, just guys because they don't want him to get to him. He just gets whatever he wants anyways, <laughs> man. He just goes. He just he can't stop him. Is oh, he, man. So I, I, real question. Real question for both of you guys. Is he Yao Ming? Is this, is this the second coming of Yao Ming? Nah, Yao had more game than him. Yeah, Yao had more game. Yao, Yao was a little too. more fluid. Like, yeah, like Yao had a better game than him. Yao was a little quicker as well. Yeah, Yao, better athlete, better player. Like, he's not on Yao level. That, that'd be disrespectful. How dare Yao. you? Yao, Yao was a bad boy. How dare you? They, so they, <laughs> they, they look the same to me because they both have – one, they're huge, and they both just have, like, massive hips and massive legs, and you just – once they kind of get where they want to go – they, they just don't move. They just sit there. So they just. And they need to put a bigger 15 on the back of that jersey. It looked way too small. <laughs> it looks way too small. You're not, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. All right. So one of the one of the first teams that gave uh, Purdue a scare this year was Marquette. And I don't think anybody at the time appreciated um, just how good Marquette actually was. But like, we didn't know that Purdue was a great team at that point. And we didn't know that Marquette giving them a scare was anything to, uh, to be worried about. But now that we're sitting here, uh, Marquette is currently 14 and four on the season. They're six and one uh, in the big East. And the only losses that they have since Thanksgiving are in overtime against Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin was at full strength and in double overtime at Providence, Nobody has won at Providence. They, they, Providence has lost once in their building in the last two years, and that was when Colin Gillespie went for 35 points last season. So I ask you this. How good is this Marquette team, Patrick? Man, I think they are. I, I was listening to, to Sean Miller speaking about the, their matchup that they have coming up because, you know, Xavier's playing some awesome basketball. And just their, their offense is just – one of the best in the country. You can you can scout. You can do all these things that you think uh, will limit them. They just hoop, man. They literally just go out there and ball. And I I think uh, Tyler Colick, he's the engine that gets them going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's averaging uh, I think ten and, and eight assists. Um, being able to have that ability to find your teammates, uh, to to be a competitor, to lead on and off the court. Sean Jones was fantastic last game uh, for them. You know, Shaka is always going to have his guys with swagger and a vibe, a vibe of just like, it doesn't matter who we're playing against. We have this mindset and tenacity. It was just a matter of time till he, he found, uh, helped his guys get their groove, but they have it on, on all sides. Uh, I can't say his last name. Oso. Oso Igadaro. Igadaro. He, he can yeah, he man, can he can go as well. He had 19 last game. So um, I think they they have four guys that usually when, when, I, when I see him play, four guys that all can just put it on the floor and just get to the basket. They're actually number one in two-point field goal percentage in the country right now as well. So needless to say, Marquette, if they continue that, they're going to be a, a tough out against anybody. To me, Shocker's superpower is – he gets guys to believe that they're better than they are. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and I'm not saying it like he's not great in a lot of areas, but guys you didn't expect to get those type of contributions or make those type of jumps. He just, it's like they come out with so much swag and so much belief. Like some of his guys, I believe, like I believe Jones walks out there like, yo, I'm the best player on the floor when I walk out. There. I think he really believes that because that's how he plays when he hits the floor. And it's just something that, common with Shaka's teams when you watch him play and he's had a great fit. 
you know, he's 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 one of the best out there, no question about it. And they're going to be right there making, you know, when, when it's all said and done in the Big East, they're going to be right there. Yeah, you know what I love about him is that they kind of – he made a concerted effort to go away from being a, a defensive-oriented coach, right? Everybody remembers the the Havoc shocker, right? Havoc, oh, yeah. When the team that forced all those turnovers, they remember the team that did all that pressing, that branded everything Havoc. What they don't remember is that the team that made it to the Final Four – had Joey Rodriguez, who's about five foot six, starting at the point guard spot. Like they would go, they were doing four round one. They were ball screening. They were doing pick and pops with Jamie Skeen. Like they were a team that shot a bunch of threes and spaced the floor exactly like what Shaka's doing right now. So he went out and he hired this guy named Nevada Smith, who um, who was a G League coach, who was this kind of like a former D3 guy, innovative basketball mind, loves the idea of just spacing the floor, five out, shooting as many threes as possible. So he brought him in, let him kind of run the offense. And I think what we're seeing is the results of that. And, and to your point, RC, that dude, like he's he he builds culture. Like that that's such an overused term in basketball, right? But he builds culture. And the thing that's no. so scary about this Marquette program right now, that's terrifying, that should have every single Big East program shit in their pants just a little bit, right? Is this entire group can stay together for three more years if they want mm. to. Because of COVID years, because of how young they are, because of red shirts, like Every one of these guys can come back for three more years. Imagine imagine this group in the 2024-25 season. I don't know if they'll stay together. Someone's going to end up going pro. I think Omax and, and Iguodaro are both probably guys that have NBA in their future. But, whew, they're a problem right now. Wow. They will be. It was a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Are they – so where? Do, how do you rank the Big East? Both of you guys. Like, where do you where – do you, is Providence the best team? Is is it Xavier? Both of those teams are undefeated. Is it Marquette, whose only loss is in double overtime on the road? Um, is it? Does UConn still have a chance to win it? UConn's Man. still in it. I think talent wise, they're still there. You can't count them out. You know, I think they got. You know, when they went, they shot up the number two in the country, and they started being everybody's home. You know, everybody started marking them on the calendar. You know, going at they, they'll be there at the end. I still think it's Providence until somebody takes it away. Um, Bynum's got to get back, you know. Bynum missed yeah. the St. John's game against the Johnnies. Um, he has to get back and be healthy. And then I, I, I like, I like Providence. I'm still gonna say it's Providence, the Big East champ, so somebody knocks them out. But they're gonna be right there. They got a big one coming up against Creighton. Um, and again, if Bynum's out, that's gonna be tough. But I, I, I would still, I wouldn't shock me either way how that goes. McCall running back, but. I'm going with with the Friars. I'm just like, it's tough. It's, I'm scratching my head trying to figure out. And I'm like, Xavier, I, I really like what Sean Miller's done. And Sully Boom and uh, Colby Jones, I think they have the opportunity to, to do something. You know, I don't, I don't know where they were projected to finish uh, in the Big East, but, you know, they're 6-0 right now. They were actually Both of offense. They can score. They can defend. I haven't seen enough of Providence. Yet to to and and I, I can't believe UConn lost so many so early on, but um, I'm I'm looking at this Xavier team. Interested to see what's going to happen Saturday. When we're gonna get into that slate because they got Marquette. And, um, you know that that game they they come away with that win. I'd I'd be willing to bet everything uh, that I have that they'll come away with the lead. Who Xavier? Yeah. So here, here's here's my take on it is that. There have been four games. There's there's four top teams in the league. I, I think it's pretty clear right now. 
Is I was that, going to ask you that. Who's fifth? Because I think it's pretty clear. It's Xavier, it's UConn, it's Providence, Marquette. Yeah. Then it's who's what next? happened to Creighton, by the way. They they lost Calcutta for a while, and then they had some. Uh, I think there was a little bit of jealousy amongst the ranks when it comes to NIL stuff. I think if there were if there was any talented team that had stuff going on, I think that you could probably sit there and point to, hey, maybe someone didn't get paid. Eh, maybe people are a little bit un- upset that uh, NIL stuff didn't work out the way that they expected. Um, I but here's here's my take on on the top of the Big East. There have been four games between those top four teams. UConn's played the other three already, and they played all three of them on the road. That's why UConn has those three losses. The only other game between them was Marquette losing at Providence. I think that this league is going to end up, uh, whoever wins it is going to go 15 and five. And I think there's probably going to be three, maybe four teams that kind of get to that number, maybe even 14 and six. I think it's just too balanced at the top. I don't think it's something that you can call. I think UConn still has a chance. They got to protect their home court. They dug themselves a hole. I think it's something that they can do. Um, so I would, I, I, I do think that right now, I kind of tend to lead towards your take, RC, and that it's Providence's until they don't win it. But I, you can make a very strong argument for any of those four teams to be the best team in the league. Yeah, honestly, like when it comes to March, I'm the most worried about UConn because you know we talked about this with Laval uh, last week. They don't they don't have a guy that can go get you one. They don't have a guy at the end of like when when they're done running stuff like and they will get a shot out of their offense. They don't have a guy that can go get you a bucket. And I think it needs to be Andre Jackson if he could end up being that guy. I'll tell you this, though. It's the last two things, then we can move on to something else so I can get off my Big East pedestal. Um, one. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If if the basketball gods are listening, right? If you're listening, there's only one thing that I ask, and it's that we get a semifinals in Madison Square Garden in the mm. big tournament of those four teams in that building. Mm. It will be electric. Mm. I don't know if there will be a conference tournament mm. better than that, like those last yeah. Years. That's the one thing I want. And two, I'm gonna shout out Providence fans don't like me. But I like Providence fans because there's a guy. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say his name. He just I'll call him Alex. He sent me these uh, these Friartown IPAs. And look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This thing is they good. Oh, they no. It's it, it. might be like a top three IPA I've ever had in my life. And hey, I got to call. I, we got to call Ed Cooley, man. Him and Jeff Battle, them guys. They got to send us something, man. They need to send us a a, right? a case of something. Yeah, I, I sent him some t-shirts. I sent him some, the least he could do was send us some beers. Maybe at the final four when they right. get there. Right? Yeah, yeah, we gotta, right, yeah. We got to talk to him. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I want to. I want to ask you guys one more thing before we kind of get into some picks for the weekend. And um, to me, there, there's a lot of interesting topics to talk about in the Big Twelve. I don't think we've talked enough about Baylor, their start, and what it kind of means for this group. Right? They've had a bunch of tough losses uh, at the open of Big Twelve play. Every loss that you take in that conference this year is going to be tough because every team in that conference is good enough, like in a vacuum, to be a tournament team. I think all anybody, depending on the way it plays out, could probably find a way to make an argument that they could end up being an at-large team. Great guards, maybe the best guards in the country. Not really guarding this year. They're one and three. They picked up a big win at um, at West Virginia. It was on, uh, I believe that was Tuesday night. So where do you guys stand on Baylor? RC, I'll go to you first on this one. 
I think, like you just said, they got arguably the best backcourt in the country. How do you count them out? Because we just talked about, we worry about teams that having guys that can go get them a bucket at the end. That team got dudes that can go get buckets at the end of games. That's not their problem. So when they get everybody back, they're healthy. I don't worry about them. I mean, they're a team and they can't dig themselves through a massive hole. You know, they can't fall one in five, one in six or anything like that. They can't do that. Not, and they won't. But the problem at the top of the league is just so strong. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, I, we're fans of Kansas State. I'd be lying to say I saw this coming. Like, I, anybody told me they saw that coming, I'd say I called them a liar. And they're right there. That's as good as anybody. I led the bandwagon for Kansas State in the offseason. I said, yeah, I think they have a shot to get to the tournament. And now they're sitting here 15 and 1. They're looking for a top three seed right for the tournament. Yeah, right. Patrick, what do you you think of Bill? Well, man, you know, you look at you look at the record, look at these games that they that they lost. And uh, I mean, it's all tough, all close. And and to your point, man, the Big 12, goodness gracious, top to bottom, uh, one a a league to be envied. at, at this point, um, I, what's what's our guy's name that had the he the ACL injury last year that has, hasn't been able to come back? Oh, Jonathan Chamachachua, the guy. Man, if, if if he was back in this lineup, I think we would see a, a much different team. He was the anchor defensively. I think that's been that's been a huge missing piece for them because uh, they're not 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 a team that's defending as well as as Scott Drew teams have in the past. Um, but I think they, they have an opportunity in these next three games, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma, opportunity to, to at least go back to 500. Yeah, they got to get back. Is he coming back, Rob? Have you heard anything? Will he be back this year? I mean, the, 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 they said he was supposed to come back. Is he heard anything different? The, what I keep hearing is that he's trying, right? Like he wants to come right. back. But what I also happen to know is like that he had – it was about as bad of a knee injury as you could have. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. So he's like that Justin Moore situation where it's just gonna be tough to get back. Having a late a late ACL tear, man. That's ah. and it wasn't just an ACL. Like the yeah, he, it was. It's like never a, just the ACL. It's always cartilage. It's always other yeah. stuff. Like it's never just like, an ACL. It was like a bomb went off in his knee, which is oh, so sad. like because the worst part about it is that that dude was like everything you wanted out of a basketball player, right? He had an amazing story from where he came from and how he got there. He was just like this infectious personality, this huge smile. He reminds me a little bit of you, Patrick, just like a, a guy that kind of brightens up a room that has a, a great right. lights up a room. And it just, uh, he was sports are unfair. Sometimes there's a, uh, there's yeah. not much to do about it. All right. Last thing I'm going to ask you guys about the big 12, and then we'll move on to our picks. Kansas State. Well, who's the biggest <laughs> Is it Iowa State sitting here at 4-0 in the league, or is it Kansas State sitting here at 4-0 in the league? Like those – honestly, like those are – Iowa State, Kansas State, a, a lot of people would have said that's 9-10 in the Big 12 heading into the season, right? A lot of people would have said that. They're sitting here and they're going to – they look like the biggest contenders to Kansas. Who's who's more surprising to you, Patrick, out of those Well, two? Kansas State, obviously, uh, they were projected to be, what, like last or somewhere somewhere on the bottom – third or bottom fourth of the league and no they were picked 10th in the preseason poll they were picked 10th 10th yeah Keontae Johnson's story is the best story in sports uh I was on the show with uh uh, uh, coach Tang a few weeks ago and man he he is just humble awesome coach loves his guys uh really has gotten them to score uh, to to understand each other Keontae had I was watching uh who Kansas State played last Oklahoma State and uh, 
uh, uh, Marquise Noel, he was losing the ball, just trying to figure Marquise. something out in like the last three seconds of the shot clock and just threw it up to the rim to Keontae. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what the yeah, heck was that? Doing that? Keontae was like looking down at the rim. Uh, yeah. So for me, of hey, course, Pat, that's you're like, prime and you're prime and you're prime. Yeah. You catching that? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm putting my elbow in the room. What do you mean, Rob? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Biggest surprise. Hey, Biggest hey, remember surprise when I just said? Kansas remember when State. I just said that it was so nice? Uh, Jonathan Ch- Chambachach was just humble like Patrick Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Rob, you got when you're when you're retired, you got to talk yourself up. You got yeah, to trust me. I know, man. <laughs> Because no one's the best part about it for me is no one's got film on me. Like everyone can go back and see all your film. I can say whatever I want. You guys will never know. (laughs) Hey, I thought I thought that was you in the group chat that that Goodman has said. I thought that was you on the group chat with the headband on. (laughs) But it was Pat Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's cold blooded. That's cold blooded. (laughs) All right, we gotta get we gotta get some picks for this weekend. Um, gonna be a great weekend of hoops. We got seven games that we're going to break down. All right. We're going to start with the uh, – I don't know if we want to call this the most interesting one. I don't know if we want to call this, like, the potentially ugliest one. Kentucky at Tennessee. Kentucky playing the way that they're playing with all the drama going around of the, that program, going to Tennessee, who's been beating teams by 40 recently. The line is Tennessee minus 12, according to our friends over at Bet Rivers. RC, I'm going to you first on this one. I like Kentucky in the 12. <laughs> I like Kentucky in the 12 on this. What was in that bottle you were just Why? I, 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 because I don't think I, – I don't know what's wrong, and I've said this. I don't think – I didn't expect them to live up to the expectations that everyone did of them from last year, but they're not as bad as they're playing right now either. And, and I think – I'm not saying they're going to win, but 12 points, Kentucky. I can't remember the last time. Y'all can't tell me the last time you knew Kentucky was 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 given was given 12. I mean, 12, 12 points. Like, dog, no. No. I just – I would expect them to come out pissed off and play better. I'd be shocked. If they if they go in there and get beat down by 20, then, then to me they just laid down. Because you can't tell me Tennessee's – you know, Tennessee's better right now. They are, but not 20 points better. Like, no, I, I ain't, I'm not buying it. If that happens, then something should, something drastic should happen at that point. I'm not saying they should, they need to win the game. That's a, Not many people are going to go into Knoxville and win. Right. And not going to Knoxville and win. But 12, They get 20 pieces of Tennessee and you're driving down to Lexington and you're on, ripping up that – Yeah, somebody, somebody – yeah, somebody – Somebody shouldn't get somebody. Somebody might not make the bus trip home, like or the plane ride home. Like some, something's going on. They if they get blown out. RC, I expect that all the negativity is going on, man. Come on, man. I I value your opinion. But I, have, <laughs> I have I have to I have to disagree because for a few reasons. I remember last last season Kentucky was great up until let's forget about the tournament when they they went into Tennessee last year and this is a the, the Tennessee team with Kennedy Chandler and most of the pieces mm-hmm. back here don't I'm not going to count eight year eight year eighth year John John Fulkerson of that team but Tennessee jumped out on Kentucky with reckless abandon in the beginning of that game and 
there's just the hatred, just the the pride. I don't say hatred, but the pride and that goes into that game. Uh, the Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. And then you're going against a Kentucky team that is a great three-point shooting team, but just doesn't shoot enough. This doesn't shoot them. Um, it, which is so, you, you know, you got Oscar down there that can rebound everything as a vacuum. Just throw the ball up there. He'll get it. But I think Tennessee, the only thing with Tennessee is that they do hit those scoring droughts because they don't have that one guy that just go get, goes to get you a bucket. But overall, team, they do all the other little things right. Um, with their sets, with their uh, fast breaks, with their defense, with their bench, I, I'm I'm certain um, Tennessee will come away with this one with more than more than twelve. So I I tend to agree. I tend to agree with Patrick, and the biggest reason why is that I think what uh, what Kentucky does best right now, Tennessee does better. That's defend and rebound. I think that's probably what Kentucky does best, and I think Tennessee is the best at it in the country. Um, but I think that uh, that that betters are kind of going the other direction because this line when we when we put together this rundown which was literally like an hour and a half ago this line was 12 and it's already down to 11 and a half wow so, see that's just something to they, something they, they agree on. with i would see i would have placed my bet already i would have locked it in at 12 i don't i don't and that was my bet tonight i don't see it 12 i don't see it i don't right. see it. let's move on to uh wisconsin, wisconsin at indiana indiana's laying four Patrick, I'm going to you first on this one. Uh, and a minus four at home against Wisconsin. I don't think I don't. I should have checked this beforehand. I don't think Tyler Wall is playing. Tyler Wall is not playing. Uh, Indiana. No reason why. Just because they're <laughs> home. I got a question: Is Xavier Johnson playing? No, I don't think he'll be no. back until. And I don't tomorrow. think he's playing, so I I don't. Yeah, Xavier Xavier's out until March. Grace Thompson's out until mid February. Um, I gotta. Oh, he's out till mid February. Oh yeah. yeah, never mind. Wisconsin. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second though, because I, I want to say something to Indiana fans about Trace Jackson Davis. And I don't know, did you guys see that letter that was written to him and sent to him? Ridiculous. One. Ridiculous. One, that's bullshit. I don't know why fans think they have the right to say something like that to a player, send a letter to where they live and uh, and and speak the way that he spoke. That's wrong. And two, one of the things that he got to was how soft Trace Jackson Davis is. And I've had multiple coaches and multiple people tell me, like, Trace Jackson Davis is an absolute warrior for what he's playing through. I'm going to bring up a text that I got from a guy in the conference that's playing against Indiana, that coached against them. And this is what he said. No bullshit. You guys need to point out that Trace is a fucking warrior, all caps right now. Maybe 5% of college basketballs would be playing with what he's going through right now. His back is totally fucked. He can barely move. And he's basically playing like he's duct taped together. This dude right now, the only reason he's out there is because he wants to give Indiana fans and give this university a chance to maybe make the NCAA tournament. They don't have Xavier Johnson. You don't have a point guard. You don't have Race Thompson. I think we've learned how important Race Thompson is, right? Trace Jackson Davis is the star of this team, and he is he, he can barely walk. You can watch him. He's not right. He's out there giving everything he's got for you, and you guys are sending letters to him that says that he's soft? Like, it just, come on, man. He's giving everything he's got. Because if he goes and sits out for two weeks and he gets right, Indiana season is over. Point blank. That's it. They need him out there. And he's playing when he probably shouldn't be playing and most guys would not be playing. And honestly, he might be hurting his draft stock for it, right? So give this dude some credit. Put some respect on his name. Um, all that said, give me Wisconsin plus four 
on the road. <laughs> like, I, I don't care. Like, Indian is terrible. What are we doing here? Like, the bottom's falling out of that team. But at the same time, like, this dude, like, 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 respect to man. He's playing through a lot of pain. You guys got to no, respect. All right. Up next, Kansas State at TCU. Kansas State is getting four and a half on Ooh. the road against TCU. Um, all right. Uh, let's go, Patrick. We all, we just talked up Kansas State. They're an underdog here. You like them? Man, that's tough. On the road. Ah, I think ah, I'm going with – I'm going with – I'm sticking with Kansas State. I think they keep it close. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. It's just it – just, uh, on the road, man. I, I'm, I'm going to go to TCU. They need this. They, they lost uh, – They've lost two uh, two in a row. I'm going with going with TCU by five. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go go over for sure. My heart and everything wants Kansas State to win. Same. TCU has to win. They have to win this um, game. But Kansas State already. I mean, they're road warriors, man. They went to Texas already. I, I, I mean, they've gone into Baylor already. It's hard for me to go against them right now, but if they go into TCU and win, I might be ready to give them the Big 12. I mean, at that point, I mean, it's – I just think there's a level of that. TCU just doesn't shoot the three well enough, and and we know what – you know, how well Kansas State's – I'm not going to bet against Kansas State. This will be one where it's a pick game. I just feel TCU's desperation. They got to get this done, but my heart and everything going toward – I'm just a big fan of Kansas State. Yeah, so Kempom has a line at uh, TCU minus two. Um, yeah. Kansas State uh, plus four and a half. And literally, as I'm looking at the app, it just moved to Kansas State plus five. Um, <laughs> I, I think like, I think I want to be on the side of Kansas State. But my favorite play here is the over. The total is 147 and a half. Um, yes. Both teams want to get up and down the floor. Kansas State put up 115. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. They put up 97. I know it was overtime, but they put up 97 against Baylor. They want to run. TCU this year is getting up and down the floor a lot more than they have in the past. Uh, I think that this game gets into the 80s. So I will take the definitely over. over. Yeah, take definitely over. over. The the most the weirdest line of the day is the one that's coming up next. Providence is getting seven points. Providence plus seven at Creighton. Six and zero in the Big East. Providence is at Creighton and they are getting seven points. Patrick, you were shaking your head. Oh no, I agree. I do. So you, you like Providence? I love. I, lo- I like Providence. Is Kalkbrenner back? Yes, he is. Kalkbrenner's been back for like, – he's been back for a week. But they lost – the They lost at Xavier with him. They lost in Nebraska. <laughs> they did. Like, what? Okay. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. They, they played They played Xavier well, though. Uh, three, uh, yeah, I'm, I like Providence, though. I think they're, they're, they're figured it out. They're, they're streaking in the right direction. Um, yeah, I think they – Late game free throws will will cover cover the spread. The spread is Providence in seven. Mm-hmm. I like it. Bynum's out, man. Bynum's out. I I I I think this is a must win game for Creighton. If they have any hopes of starting to turn things around or build any momentum to give themselves a shot at getting the dance, this is one of those games they got to win. We know what Marquette. We know Providence is going to be there in the end. We know Xavier is going to be there in the end. We know UConn's going to be there in the end. You know, we 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 talked about it. You know, who, Marquette, who, Providence, who's going to be the 15? If it's going to be Creighton, they need to defend home turf and win this game. I think they have to win. Mm-hmm. 
I, I kind of I kind of agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, it's just it that Providence plus seven feels like such a trap to me, right? Yes, like, like that's the line where Bet Rivers is saying, "Look at this, look at the, look at these seven points that you could be getting with Providence." They're not seven <laughs> points so pretty. Don't you think that's so nice? To you bet so much money here on Providence. Look, I'm not walking into the trap. When you see something that you know is a trap, when you see it and you know it's a trap, you got to go the other way. It's a trap, man. Give me Creighton. I'll lay the seven points. It feels insane. I don't like doing it. I think I'm going to have to do it, though. Uh, Mostly just because I want to root for Providence to lose as I drink my Friartown beer. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. Uh, The game of the day. Um, It's a good one. Iowa State. Look, honestly, I did not think that I would be saying this in November. The game of the day on a Saturday in the middle of January is Iowa State at Kansas. Kansas minus eight RC. Do they get it done at Fog, Fog Island Fieldhouse? Remember, you got to add like three or four points to the spread because uh, because Kansas is going to be playing eight on five. You're not going into Kansas and winning, so let's just stop. Like, stop. <laughs> That's not happening. Like, 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 I don't even know why. I don't even know how this got game of the, of, of the, of the, of the day. Hey, are they going to keep it close? Say again. Are they going to keep it less than eight? That's hard. No. No, dang, no. <laughs> no. You're getting run. You heard it. You heard it there first, Patrick. They're getting run. <laughs> I think I think Kansas no. wins, but I think I think they I think Iowa State keeps it uh keeps it close. Like within within three, four, or five. Nah. You know what's you know what's crazy about this game? It's the game of the day. No. Just it's the game of the day. On ESPN Plus. No, it's not. On ESPN no, it's not. Plus. No, it's not. Because that's why it's on Plus and it's not on Kit. Because oh, Kansas yes, State is going to run them out of the gym. I the mean, game, Kansas is going to run them out yeah, of the gym. You hear Dagan's game of in the here, day Dagan. on ESPN Plus. What are we doing here, man? What are we I doing? Don't know. That's because it's doing? not game of the day. It's not. To, they I know. Need... They're like, man, Kansas is going to run them. Okay, even if it's not game of the day. Even if it's not game of the day. It's still number 14 versus number two. It's on ESPN+. Plus. What are we doing here, man? We can't move something off Whoa, there? whoa, whoa. But what about Kansas State and TCU? Yeah, the, yeah that's going to be a great game, but that's that's Kansas State and TCU. This game's <laughs> on ESPN+. Plus. RC. ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, you're, you're burying a lead here, RC. That Kansas State and Iowa or Kansas and Iowa State is on ESPN Plus. I like Kansas too, for the record. I don't. You don't fit. You, 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 yeah. you don't. fade the Jayhawks. You said all that and agree with me. It's Kansas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, by the way, by the way, wild stat, wild stat on Bill Self. Uh, I I figured this out when I was looking up some Tom Tom Izzo information. There's only been one year since he's been at Kansas where he finished outside of the top twenty on Ken Palm. And that was the COVID season of 2021. He's been at a high major program, Illinois, Kansas, for 22 seasons. He's never not been a top four seed when he made the NCAA tournament at a high major program. It's always been a one, two, three, or four seed since he's been there. The only year that he didn't make the tournament since he's been in a high major program was 2020 when there was no NCAA tournament and they would have been the number one overall seed. He's been to 23 straight NCAA tournaments. He's never been a double digit seed when he was at Tulsa he was a nine seed and then he was a seven seed that made it to the elite eight like what wow what he's the best coach in college basketball right now anyway I digress how about this Duke at Clemson Duke is getting a point at Clemson the first time the Dukies have been underdogs 
against Terrence Oglesby's Clemson Tigers since 2007. We dug up that stat. It was February 20, uh, 2007. So Patrick, can Duke go into Little John Coliseum in front of all those little fighting Terrence Oglesby's and find a way to win that game? No, they can't. Can't get it done. Clemson. For sure. Clemson, I had a coach tell me that to play both schools said Clemson was the best team they played in the ACC. I'm, and they uh, played Duke. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Clemson as well because, one, I don't trust Jeremy Roach's toe, and, two, I don't want T.O. to get mad at me if I say that Duke's going to win Clemson. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to hear that. T.O., when he gets mad, is like, you ever have one of those little dogs that keeps, like, yipping at your ankles nonstop? That's what my phone will be all day Saturday. Hey, he'll be that. calling you, texting you, hitting you on Twitter. FaceTime and be like, how about them Tigers? Uh, you see them Tigers play? How about them Tigers? So, yeah, I don't need that. Clemson, minus one all day. Last one we got, Texas Tech at Texas. Uh, Rodney Terry, minus nine at home against the fighting Mark Adams. Texas Tech is actually the worst team in the Big 12 this season. I don't know if anybody uh, saw that one coming. Texas, they just uh, – that, that comeback they had against TCU, Patrick, is one of the most impressive wins I've seen this season. Who do you like there? Texas. Texas? Yeah. Arthur? It's Texas, and I'll add this with Texas, too. I think there's been a lot of disrespect to Rodney Terry and the job that he's done. I mean, people are just calling for so many other people for that job. I don't think I, – I think it's his. I think he's – I think we were talking about the surprise of the Big 12. It's Kansas State, but I've been most impressed with Texas and the, and the staff and the players responding with everything that's happened. They got, they got them still they got this literally right. not miss a beat. They got this. What right say, Rob? They got this. Yeah, right yeah, here. yeah. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. And, and with Rodney, they're not missing a beat. So if he's showing you he's the guy to handle that, all the adversity, everything, and the distraction that comes with that. Everybody's naming all these who should get the next job. The guy that's, that's at the head job right now, Rodney Terry, is doing a hell of a job. Uh, I, I think it should be his, and I, I'm not taking Texas Tech in this one at home. I think Texas gets it. Yeah, you mentioned drama around the Texas program. Well, there's some drama around the Texas Tech program as well. We don't have to get into that. Let's go <laughs> toast of the night. Patrick, I'm going to you first. Who are you toasting? Who are you choosing? What was my guy's, my guy's name at Butler? Uh, must... Lukosius. Lukosius. Yeah, Lukosius had a career night. 27 points. He, and I, he was efficient, too. Uh, he was 5 of 8 from 62% from 3. Uh, 8 of 13 for the game, something like that. So, for him to knock off Villanova in that in that manner. and He's Lithuanian as well. I got a lot of Lithuanian friends. So, uh, <laughs> you and LaMelo Ball, huh? <laughs> Labas. I'll cheers to that. What you got, R.C.? VCU on the road, baby. Got it done. Oh, that was crazy. On the road, got it done. 63-62. That's a heartbreaker loss. That's hey, a big that win was, there. They were down, they were down That's a big, big freaking win right there, man. On the road, VCU. Cheers to you, baby. Cheers yeah, to that's VCU. what I was going to go with. Cheers. Mike Rhodes going on the road, down by 16 in the second half, down by four Come on, man. with 18 seconds left. They forced Monster. turnovers down the stretch, found a way to get it done. So to the Rams, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you gotta love them. You gotta love them. The and the last thing I'll say about the Rams, the Peppas are back, baby. If you know about the A10, you know about VCU. The Peppas are back. RC, you know you're from you're from that area. You're from the DMV. You know about the Peppas. Peppas is uh, is VCU's band who are absolutely electric. They got their conductor back. There's a lot of drama. I don't know. We don't need to get into it. Anyway, listen. This has been the Field of 68 after dark. Uh, good day. One day of games, it would have been nice if Michigan State would have pulled it out so I could have done something with a Spartan Dogs t-shirt. You can go pick up one of these at fieldof68.shop if you want to. And one last plug, the Field of 68 Daily is our newsletter. You can find the link in the description below. Uh, make sure you sign up. It's the best way to keep up with college basketball. Every weekday morning, 8.30 a.m., you get about 1,500 words directly to your email inbox. It's uh, it's the best thing to do when you wake up and you're drinking your coffee or eating your breakfast or you're taking your morning dump. So for Patrick Young, for Randolph Childress, for our producer, Dagan Hughes. My name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.